I show up when my energy levels are at zero, and then during long chemo treatments, I show up even when I'm exhausted from dealing with side effects. We're in a great spot because people look to us for leadership on a lot of these issues. So now they're gonna see this. This is now back on the front burner. AI-generated content threatens the integrity of elections by facilitating the dissemination or of misleading or completely fabricated information. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Funding for Capitol Report is provided by the following. HR Florida State Council, affiliate of the Society of Human Resource Management, advocating for the workplace on behalf of 16,000 human resource professionals and 6,300 Florida employers. HR Florida State Council. More at hrflorida.org. And from a grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley, supporting public radio and taking time to care, on the web at searcylaw.com. This is Capital Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's capital action, Florida lawmakers are rolling out their spending plans for the upcoming fiscal year, and they again include salary increases for teachers. But the money is coming at a time when inflated housing costs, like rent and property insurance, are grieving Floridians. Adding to the issue, for years the state is focused on raising the salaries of beginning teachers, but that's also led to massive wage compression for those who've been in the profession for years. Recently, as Lynn Hatter reports, tensions over teacher pay bubbled over in the shadows of the state capitol. Madam Chair and Superintendent, I come to you tonight after being at before school at 645. Regular day at 745, after school tutoring until 4, where we had a parent that didn't pick up until 443. It's becoming untenable to be a teacher, says Misha Linqua-Smith, who's been working in education for nearly 20 years. With the rising inflation rate, I'm not going to be able to stay in the classroom. I have two daughters, I'm single, and at this point it's unattainable to do things that we should be able to do. Sending my daughter to college debt-free, purchasing a home, purchasing a car for my daughter. Smith recently attended a Leon County School Board meeting where she and more than two dozen other teachers listed numerous grievances over their salaries. Marcy Grower has stage four cancer. She says her salary is only $3,000 more than a beginning teacher, though she has 19 years in with the Leon County School District. I can't afford to be out of work to take care of myself and to give myself the rest I need to fight this disease. So every day I show up. I show up four weeks after major abdominal surgery. I show up when my energy levels are at zero. And then during long chemo treatments, I show up even when I'm exhausted from dealing with side effects. These teachers say they're ready to leave. They're questioning their futures, trying to figure out how to keep going when they and their families are being financially squeezed. While Florida has successfully raised the starting salaries for new teachers, the state is still 48th in the nation for average teacher pay. That's according to the National Education Association. Leon is the state's capital city, home to Tallahassee, where Florida lawmakers are meeting to decide their spending plans for the upcoming fiscal year. The House and Senate are again proposing more than a billion dollars for teacher pay increases, with the House adding more money into the pot. I am recommending an additional $202 million to continue to assist school districts in bringing the minimum base salary for classroom teachers to forty-seven five or providing salary increases to other instructional personnel. 
That's Representative Josie Tomcow presenting the House's pre-K through 12 spending proposal. Over in the Senate, the chamber is pushing the issue of flexibility, allowing districts to decide how to spend a billion dollars earmarked for teacher pay. But it might not be enough. Leon teachers say they're fed up. And the blame goes around, from state policies that have historically restricted the ability of districts to move money around, and to those that have radically revamped how and when teachers get paid, to the school district level, where local leaders have to figure out which priority to, well, prioritize. I just want you to know we're listening. All of us are listening. And, uh, you know, we value you very much. That's Leon School Board Chair Roseanne Wood. As the state contemplates its budget, these Leon teachers are contemplating whether their personal budgets will even allow them to stay. It's it's never going to be enough, but we're going to try. And we need to talk to the state legislature while we're talking about this, because that's where we get our funding from. So let's let's pull together on that as well, okay? Because we need to, the the, uh, clarion call needs to go very loud um, to those who send us our money. Add to all this that at the local level, teacher pay is determined by collective bargaining, the process where local unions themselves negotiate with their school districts. I'm Len Hatter. Governor Ron DeSantis and leaders of the Florida legislature announced plans today to ratify four proposed amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Regan McCarthy has more. DeSantis, who recently dropped his bid for the Republican presidential nomination, says he's concerned about rising federal debt and a Congress he says needs to be held accountable. We've talked about these problems for a long time. Uh, We've been talking about the debt for a long time, and it's gotten worse under both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, We've talked about the border for a long time, and yet we still are dealing with it to this day. Uh, So we've talked about the growth of government, and yet government has continued to get bigger regardless of who has been in charge. So, So I think the time for talk is over. DeSantis says it's time for states to intervene. He wants Florida to ratify federal amendments that would impose term limits on members of Congress and require the federal government to pass a balanced budget. They would also give the president line-item veto power and block Congress from giving itself a carve-out in new laws. Some of the proposals have already been ratified in other states. DeSantis says he's trying to reignite the efforts. We're in a great spot because people look to us for leadership on a lot of these issues. So now they're going to see this. This is now back on the front burner. DeSantis says he plans to reach out to other states to move the issues forward. U.S. amendments passed through joint resolution must be ratified by three-fourths of all states. Amendments can also go through a state's convention process. Meanwhile, the leader of Florida's House Democrats says she's concerned about the plan. Tampa Democratic Representative Fentress Driscoll says it feels like an attempt to further push Republican talking points on a national level. Why is this governor so focused on Washington? It is time for him to focus on Florida. Driscoll says she'd rather DeSantis focus his attention on issues she feels more directly impact Floridians, like rising housing costs and health care access. I'm Regan McCarthy. Governor Ron DeSantis' lawyers last week asked the full federal appeals court to take up a battle about the suspension of Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren. 
In a petition filed at the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, DeSantis' attorneys say a recent three-judge panel's decision stymies the governor's supervisory power by enabling local officials to willfully neglect their duties for political reasons under the banner of private speech. DeSantis argues he was justified in suspending Warren, the twice-elected prosecutor. DeSantis suspended Warren in August of 2022, accusing him of incompetence and willful defiance of his duties. Speaking to reporters today, Warren applauded the recent appeals court panel ruling. This was a huge victory for free speech, democracy, and the rule of law. It shows that we'd been right all along, that I was elected by the voters to serve, that I did my job in the manner that I told voters I would, and that the governor broke the law in suspending me. The appeals court panel said the First Amendment protects Warren from decisions based solely on political benefit. It said facts in the case showed that DeSantis based Warren's suspension on his reputation as a reform prosecutor. While DeSantis can suspend public officials, the Florida Senate has ultimate authority about whether to remove them from office. The Senate has put the Warren issue on hold while the court battle plays out. Several Florida lawmakers are attempting to bring malicious uses of artificial intelligence to heel. Tristan Wood reports that new proposals would require transparency in AI use in political ads and allow people misrepresented in AI to sue. Ahead of the New Hampshire primaries this month, calls were made to voters using fake AI-generated audio meant to sound like President Joe Biden. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. The audio was not disclosed as being fake to listeners, but a proposed bill in Florida would make it a campaign violation to not be forthcoming about the use of AI in political advertisements. The measure would require the label, quote, created in whole or in part with the use of generative artificial intelligence, unquote, to appear on ads where it is used. Violators could be fined thousands of dollars. Highly a Republican representative, Alex Rizzo, says his bill will ensure that voters aren't tricked by artificial intelligence. The increasing access of sophisticated AI-generated content threatens the integrity of elections by facilitating the dissemination or of misleading or completely fabricated information that appears more realistic than ever. Lawmakers aren't just worried about the implications of AI for political advertisements. One bill would make it a felony to knowingly create or hold AI-generated child pornography. Another allows people to sue if AI content generated of them displays them in a false light. The issue is also a bipartisan one. House Democratic leader Fentries Driscoll says she supports the political advertisement disclosure and other attempts to regulate AI. Artificial intelligence is here. It's here to stay. And we have to be thoughtful and intentional about how we deal with it. One of the bills would also launch a task force to study the implications of artificial intelligence on the state and local governments and give recommendations on future AI-related state laws. I'm Tristan Wood. Governor Ron DeSantis is voicing concerns about a bill that would limit social media access for kids in Florida. At a recent news conference, the governor announced he'll be working alongside lawmakers to see that the measure clears any potential legal hurdles. We get more on that story from Adrian Andrews. 
The governor stopped at Kissimmee on Friday to address the state's efforts to ramp up semiconductor manufacturing. While there, he took the opportunity to give an update on what the state legislature is currently working on in this year's legislative session. That's when the conversation shifted toward a bill banning kids and teens under 16 from social media. You know, these devices are a big problem for kids. Uh, and I, and I, it's, it's, I think parents, you know, they, they, they want some tools to be able to help so that their kids can grow up in the healthiest environment. The social media ban has been a priority of Republican House Speaker Paul Renner. But over the course of the session, more and more Democrats have jumped on board. Just last week, the Florida House approved the measure with overwhelming bipartisan support. But DeSantis says the chances of a court allowing the state to pass on an all-out social media ban is slim to none. So what I would say is I'm sympathetic to, as a parent, what's going on with our youth. Uh, but I also understand that to just say that, you know, someone that, that's um, 15 just cannot have it no matter what, even if the parent consents, um, that, that may create some, some legal issues. DeSantis echoed points made by local and state leaders. Gainesville Democratic Representative Yvonne Hayes Henson said during a recent bill hearing that verifying a person's age will require users to share personal identifying information, such as a driver's license or birth certificate. I think it's a constitutionality problem, and there should be a way for us to have a framework of ages that need to be verified and ages that don't. Several tech companies have also pushed back on the legislation, calling it, quote, unconstitutional and an unfair and unnecessary shot at kids' creativity. The governor has vowed to work with House and Senate leaders to fix the bill before any court can stop it in its tracks. I'm Adrian Andrews. This past week was National Gun Violence Survivors Week. As part of the observance, elected officials met with families of gun violence victims to discuss Florida's gun laws, as we hear from WMNF's Chris Young. Johnny Johnson started a nonprofit Rise Up for Peace. He lost his 17-year-old son to gun violence seven years ago. Every aspect of our lives has been contaminated by the senseless gun violence, whether it's at school or going to place of worship or just going to the grocery store to pick up a bite or eat. Johnson joined Carl Boonstoppel, who also lost his son to gun violence during a shooting in Ybor City last year. They spoke with Florida House Minority Leader Fentress Driscoll and Congress member Kathy Castor on gun control efforts in government. Castor voted for Biden's Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which provided millions in funding to curb gun violence. And it provided substantial new resources to states and communities uh, for risk protection orders, to, for drug courts, for crisis intervention. But here's the kicker. Governor DeSantis did not draw down those dollars. On the state level, Driscoll gave an update on Democrats' progress. Unfortunately, none of our common sense gun ownership bills or you know common sense gun reform bills have received a hearing, even though we have been very thoughtful in crafting this legislation and making sure that we're approaching this in a bipartisan and common sense way. Last year, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a law allowing Floridians to carry a concealed weapon without a government permit. In Tampa, I'm Chris Young. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Chris Young. 
Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. And that show is also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capital Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley, supporting public radio and taking time to care, on the web at searcylaw.com. And from HR Florida State Council, affiliate of the Society of Human Resource Management, advocating for the workplace on behalf of 16,000 human resource professionals and 6,300 Florida employers. HR Florida State Council. More at hrflorida.org. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.